everybody and welcome to the house of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 242 are open. Today on the show, we might be seeing Advanced Wars 1 plus 2 very soon, so surely a Nintendo Direct is just around the corner. I hope you're going well, I hope you're having a fantastic day, wherever, whenever you listen to this show, and I really appreciate you visiting me here at the House of Mario. I've had a great week so far, the last couple of days I've actually had a good amount of time to just sit down and start making some assets and start... um really putting some things in place for the content I'm going to create over the next, I don't know, couple of months, year, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, but it's been nice to sort of get it going because uh, if, if you don't know, the, basically a couple of uh, episodes ago, I, I said that uh, like Fridays are going to become dedicated to content creation. And, uh, you know, this is my, my third Friday dedicated to that. And I've noticed that uh, the day goes very, very fast and I don't get anywhere near as much as I'd like done. I don't know if that's my, my own fault or it's just because, you know, a day isn't as long as uh, <laughs> as long as you might think. Because I, I know a day at my, my normal job, that goes a lot slower. I can tell you that. It goes very fast. I'm looking at the time right now. Just let's break the, let's break the fourth wall here just, just for a second. It's a... Uh, 2.20 in the afternoon and today has gone very fast. I would have liked to got this recorded a little bit earlier but alas, here we are. Um, it is what it is. It is what it is. But yes, time goes very fast so I <sighs> don't know how I feel about that. But I haven't played as many games over the last week as I did the week before and um, I think I might blame a certain game on that and I'll get to that a little bit later. But if you would like to support the show, you can follow me over on YouTube at iDruby, youtube.com slash iDruby, where you can check out this very podcast as well as other videos I've got planned for the future. I've got plenty of things up there, including other podcasts, news breakdowns, all this type of thing I've got I've got planned that I've been working on over the last couple of days. So very much would appreciate that. If you are listening over on YouTube, you can go to your podcast services and listen to the podcast there. Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of that. And, of course, you can go to patreon.com slash iDruby, where from a dollar a month you can get access to Heaps Good, a podcast I do with my good friend Josh from Nintendvania, and also Secret Recordings, which is a weekly show where I sit down and go behind the scenes of what's going on as far as the content goes. But a big shout-out to our latest patron, Brendan Myers, who signed up at the $3 level. Thank you very much, Brendan. Really appreciate all the support you've shown me over the last few months, year even. I really do appreciate it, mate. Um, joining the Discord, giving me feedback, sending me messages, and um, joining us on Patreon. So um, it's just a, a massive confidence boost for me. Really appreciate it. And of course, it's a it's a good step going forward as far as what's going to what's to come because this is just the very beginning. So strap in. I hope you get your money's worth over on Patreon.com/slash/RideRuby. So let's start off with the Guru Geek Out. This is a tribute to my late friend Bobby Pauls, the Nintendo Guru. I want to give a, sh- a special shout out to a good friend of mine, someone who um, I met through Twitter and podcast creation, all of that. And that is my good friend, Simon Blackburn. And Simon and I, we don't talk as much as I would like. You know, it, it is what it is. He's got three kids now. I've got one. <laughs> I'm sure he's very busy. Um, but, you know, Simon, he's such a talented man. He is the 
man that uh, actually drew up the House of Mario logo and a lot of the stuff that I used on Patreon uh, a couple of years ago and everything just looked awesome, immaculate and uh, I wish I had a tenth of the ability that man has as far as his graphic design. Looks awesome. But I want to shout out um, his brand new avenue that he's going down called F1 Pocket. And it's basically short form show on YouTube, TikTok, all of that short form video um, platforms where he's actually breaking down F1 events and all that type of thing. I'm not a big F1 guy. I don't know... I don't know anything about F1, but it's one of those things I actually want to get into because uh, I've got a racing wheel and I want to get into the games and stuff. So I think um, with Simon making this, it's actually like, cool, I'm going to uh, going to listen up and get a little bit educated about the drivers and all that that's going on. So if you are into F1, I know some of you guys out there, I'm going to just point out Jamie Penning. I know you love your F1. Go and check out F1 Pocket on TikTok, um, YouTube, Twitter, all of that type of stuff. He's everywhere. You can't escape Simon. So just big shout out to Simon. Love the man. Go and support his stuff because he's going to do awesome, awesome stuff with that platform. Um, So let's move on to my week in gaming. It's a lot shorter than it was the week before. And that's because I've only played one game. And that is a game that came out last week, which is Dead Space, a remake of the 2008 game that came out on PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. I never played the original, but it was it was always one of those games that was on my backlog, which I really wanted to jump into. And when the news came out that it was being remade, I was certainly excited about it. You know, that's going to be a day one pickup. Actually, a day two pickup for me because I couldn't make it the day of. But it is what it is. Went down to Big W, picked up a physical copy, brought it back, dove into it that night. And survival horror games really aren't my forte whatsoever. Um, you know... I barely played them and it's not because I dislike them or I don't want to play them. It's just the whole horror genre typically isn't what's at the forefront of what I want to jump into. Even when I'm on Netflix or some streaming service, I'm not going to the horror section. I'm not checking out the latest horror movies or games or content coming out. So it's very much similar with, with the games, I guess. So jumping into it, it made me realize how sort of not my forte <laughs> survival horror was. And that might largely come from being a Nintendo gamer where I'm used to playing just colourful, hip-hip-hooray, happy music type of type of games. But, um, you know, jumping into Dead Space, I noticed straight away it's a fantastic game and just like the attention to detail on the environments and just the way the game looks is immaculate. And I guess it should be because that is largely the reason this thing exists. So going through it, I made sure I played it at nighttime, headphones on, and um, just like the audio design, everything about it just just creeps you out, just chills to your bones. And the whole premise of this game is you're stranded upon, I guess, uh, an abandoned spaceship, that, uh, Ishimura, um, which is basically this big vessel that harvests um, asteroids for different materials and that. Um, and without going too much into the whole lore and story of it, um, something happened. There's, no, there's barely anyone on, and there's these um, alien things getting around. Um, so you're like, oh, what's going on here? And you sort of discover what's happened over the course of you know, the events that led to this, and through, through like you know your typical thing, you come across notes and all that. And for me, in games, I'm I'm all about the audio logs and. There are, there are audio logs in this game, thankfully. 
But when it comes to like letters and stuff, especially um, when the game doesn't actually pause, I've got no interest in sitting there and reading it. Like I'm on, I'm on this ac- action sequence. I'm like, oh, oh, there's a letter. Well, let me read that. Um, you know, I, I was literally just shitting my pants two minutes before, well, one second before. But now I'm going to sit down and have a nice read of this person, you know, their struggles, their tribulations, what they went through before they died. And then I'll get back to um, shooting this alien thing in the face. Um, you know, it's typically, I, tr- I tried to, uh, like, you know, the opening hours of the game, I'm like, oh, I better try and, you know, understand the whole lore and backstory to it all. But that fell fell by the wayside pretty quick. So I've p- probably played it about seven hours according to my game clock. And I got to the point where after probably, that, that was about three play sessions, you know, once each night, it got to the point where I'm like, I can't, I can't be in this world anymore. I'm so, <laughs> I'm just so burnt out. And it was to the point where like, you know, the next day I'm like stressed. I'm like feeling built up. Um, and I guess that's what the game's intention is to stress you out and make you scared and all that. So it definitely, it definitely worked on that behalf, but I found myself just like really wanting to play something else. But I know for my own sake, if I go into something else, which, um, you know, the next game I really want to dive into is a big game, Ateliariser 2. I don't know if I'll come back to Dead Space. I've got, I'm, I'm disciplined this year. I'm going to make sure I finish my games before I move on, um, unless I really don't like it. And that's not the case for Dead Space. But I, I just got kind of sick of the gameplay loop. And while I, I want to criticize this act, um, aspect of the game, which is it kind of doesn't make any sense because this this is this kind of applies to all video games, which is a little bit strange to even think about criticizing. But it is very much like you're in this tense situation. You're going down these corridors. You know, you get to, you get to where the game wants you to go. The story unravels. Oh, you've got to go and I don't know, start the engine. So you got to go and got to go somewhere else. You go through some enemies and all that, you'd start the engine. It's just like, go here, go there, go there, go there. And like, I'm like stress. I'm like, as I'm going th- from each area, I'm like, just, just finish. <laughs> I just want it. I just want this experience to be over in some ways. So um, I hope my, I hope it only takes another couple of play sessions to get finished with this game because honestly, I just want to move on with my life. Um and I know it might sound like I'm down on the game, but really, I just uh, it just scares the shit out of me. It doesn't it doesn't even scare me. Like my first couple of hours, I'm I'm sitting with the controller, just breathing like like that the whole time. <laughs> there's no there's no like ah oh my god. There's no like jump scares where Chantel can hear me in the next room. Like oh you got scared at the game or anything like that. It is just like tense the whole time. I'm like. You know, Eyebrows are getting a bit sweaty. My my hands are getting sweaty. Um, so it's, it's good at least to get a survival horror game under my belt. I don't know if... I can't even remember if I've played any others, to be honest with you. I haven't really touched the Resident Evil series that much. I've played maybe, maybe like five hours of Resident Evil 7, which I enjoyed. But I think it got to the point where I'm like, I don't need to play... I don't know how long that game is. is. It 10, 15, 20 hours. However long beyond 10 hours, I'm like, I don't need that long an experience in this type of setting. Like I can spend, I don't know, 50 hours in a JRPG, going around, grinding, getting some story, haha, fun, fun. Or like a Mario platformer or something like that. But I think it was one of the alien games where I, f- 
when I heard that like it was like 20 hours was an alien isolation but that game takes 20 hours to beat I was like that sounds miserable 20 hours or whatever have you I, I don't understand why you'd want to spend that long in that type of environment like you just want to 10 hours maximum you know get a ship go back to earth you're all hunky dory I think that's um, a good way to go I hope um hope that uh, happens with uh, with me in a dead space because I remember in um, when I was really young, Bryce actually had a, a Half-Life 2 mod, which was really interesting. And somebody made a horror game within the Half-Life engine. And he brought his laptop and it was four of us sitting playing this game. I've got no idea what it was called. I can't remember. It involved heaps of mannequins and all that. But it was about a four-hour experience and the story was really gripping. And it was just like a nice sit down and you had that intrigue and you got your story your scares and all of that. And that was good. But I don't know about a week of sitting down with a horror game. I don't know if I need it to be that long. But what's funny is um, when I actually went to get Dead Space and I noticed I had Resident Evil Village on PlayStation 5 for 25 bucks. And um, later this month, uh, PlayStation VR 2 comes out, which um, which actually uh, has a VR mode in Resident Evil Village. So I'm like, oh, well, 25 bucks. I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll experience there. But... Uh, you can imagine from what I said in this discussion, uh, I don't know, 15 hours in horror game VR. I don't think so, but I'd like to try it for maybe an hour. <laughs> I guess 25 bucks isn't so bad for that, but that's another game for my backlog, but um, I don't count that. I won't count that. I just want the VR experience and that'll be that. So that's probably pretty much what I've been playing this week. Really been enjoying it, but um I want to I want to get it done. I want it in the distance and uh, have it finished. Um, yeah, because Dead Space has been in my backlog for far too long. All right, let's get into some news, guys. There really isn't much this week, but there are some topics I'd like to attach to each sort of. I'm not even going to talk. I'm not even going to call them news stories. There's a couple of rumors and all that, and just some, um, I guess, uh, random stuff as far as the US eShop goes with game vouchers. But let's get into it. So Walmart has apparently received Advance Wars reboot camp posters that say available now. I'm going to read this from my Nintendo news and then we'll jump into the story. So it seems as though the rumors surrounding the imminent Nintendo Direct presentation show no signs of slowing down. A Walmart, a Walmart worker over on Reddit claims that a delivery recently came through, which included three new cardboard displays for the store's gaming section. The person says the cardboard displays were for Minecraft Legends, which has a release date shared last week at the uh, Developer Direct, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which is now scheduled for the 12th of May, and finally, Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp, which apparently says, available now. So, But there are no photos to sort of, um, you know, say that this is uh, you know, proof. Even though a photo in 2023 isn't really proof, unfortunately. Um, but this is interesting because, you know, Advance Wars 1 Plus 2, it was delayed. It was meant to come out um, April last year, but it was delayed because of, you know, the war in Ukraine and Nintendo, I think rightfully so, um, just thought it was in, uh, just not appropriate to uh, release a game in, you know, those social conditions, especially with the game really sort of playing into the war setting, even though it is very much, you know, cartoony and, Nintendo-ified, but um, I think they made the right call and it sort of led us to really think about, will we ever see this game? The war in Ukraine is still raging, hasn't slowed down 
And um, is it okay to release it now? Is it okay to release it when it's when it's over? I don't know. Um, personally, for me, I feel like I feel like it's it's fine like to release it. Um, I think they did the right thing, but um, I think there's there's a lot of fans out there who would really enjoy you know playing this game, including myself. I like to play. I never played Advance Wars on the Game Boy Advance, so I like an opportunity to play it on Switch. And it seems like um, you know they've done a great job adding voice acting and everything to it as well. Um, so I just wanted to, I guess you know everyone's talking about the Nintendo Direct. You know this is Nintendo Direct season. I would say that there are a lot of rumors at the moment that we are going to get a direct. I wouldn't even say the rumors. I think people are just making very educated guesses. People are pointing towards articles that, you know, Jeff Grubb has said this about a Nintendo direct and even me in my spare bedroom here recording the house of Mario, I can, I can make the exact same educated guess that within the next week or two, we would have seen or heard about a Nintendo direct officially from Nintendo. I can, wholeheartedly say that <laughs> I don't have to be an insider or anything like that because um, we know how that went uh, a few months ago <laughs> late last year uh, with the Zelda games Did we ever get them no could anybody guess that yes yes they could but I'm really excited about um, this Nintendo Direct and that's because we we know not much at all about what's coming out. And even Zelda, we don't know anything about Tears of the Kingdom apart from the name and a few trailers that had a bunch of, not even gameplay, but it seems like, you know, clips and that just thrown together. And we were able to dissect things like, oh, look, it's called Tears of the Kingdom. It looks like you're collecting tears. looks like, you know, Skyloft is, you can go to Skyloft or some resemblance of Skyloft in there. And it's, ties to Skyward Sword. You know, we can put all these things together and if you're real nerdy, you can get into the Reddit and all the the big forums on um, on online to uh, really get into what people are thinking this game is leading story-wise. But we really don't know anything about like how these mechanics will work in the actual game, how the overworld has drastically changed, how you're able to utilize the sky in the open world. Are you able to seamlessly just jump off the island and go back down to Hyrule. We don't know these things and it's we're going to get them answered most likely in this Direct because we're not waiting for an E3 Direct. We're not waiting for another Direct. This will be the Direct we find out about Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom or at least get that marketing train rolling until May 12th, which is going to be, you know, Certainly the biggest game on Nintendo Switch, easily. Um, be the biggest game since Breath of the Wild on Switch, I dare say. But be one of the biggest launches this year, period. At least not, at least just like the most hyped launch. You know, it won the most anticipated game at the Game Awards. So there's a lot going on with this game as far as what people's expectations are, the hype going towards it, how Nintendo's going to handle the marketing rollout for it. Um, so just Zelda alone, really excited about it because... At the moment, I think a lot of people have this sentiment as well. Like, we're obviously excited for Zelda. We're sitting down. We're thinking about it. New Zelda game. Nice. Awesome. Going to put that in my Switch. Going to play for 80 hours. Maybe 100 hours. Maybe 200 hours. Maybe get all the Korok seeds again. Who knows? But we really haven't been... Um, hyped up about it, I guess. 
we haven't, like I said, we haven't got that marketing rollout yet to really understand what the game's about. So apart from just it's a new Zelda game, it comes out in four months. We really don't know anything else about it. So really excited from that front. And looking at the rest of Nintendo's slate as well, what are we sort of expecting to get out of the Switch throughout the rest of the year? Because we've already got Fire Emblem Engage, which came out, great game. Um, Pikmin 4 is meant to come out this year sometime. So that's another game I'd like to see broken down. If we've got a release date, that'll be fantastic as well. More gameplay. We only got like sort of a teaser trailer before. Um, so hopefully Pikmin 4 isn't a game that slips out of this year. Hopefully it is very much set in stone. Nintendo might have, that That is a game that is very possible that they could have held as well. We talked last week that Fire Emblem Engage was finished in 2021. So that game was held and I think rightfully so. It made sense considering what Nintendo had last year. It was a packed last year in 2022. So saving that game, potentially Pikmin as well. Um, I think that would be a smart move. And hopefully we get some other games like in that sort of ballpark. You know, Pikmin, Pikmin 4, it's a big game for us Nintendo fans, but as far as drawing brand new players to Nintendo Switch in its sixth year, you know, I don't think it's the game to do that. And I think the only game this year might be uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom to do that. But personally for me, I think this is going to be the last, say, at most 18 months but Nintendo Switch is going to be the lead platform for Nintendo. Um, you know, personally for me, I really do hope that we will get a brand new Switch or brand new hardware, you know, next year sometime. Really sort of seeing it as far as the games and how it runs and all that. But as far as the experiences we are still getting from the Switch, the Switch is still, you know, a great versatile system with the Joy-Cons and everything that um, it gives us. So I'm... Um, I'm happy to keep playing it, especially if Nintendo keep putting out experiences that utilize that hardware well. And I think for me, so there's probably a couple of games left that Nintendo can put out there that makes me go, just explode everywhere. You know, not diarrhea, not wet myself or anything like that, but explode like like TNT just in my hand and I forgot to let it go because I was so excited. So last year we got Mario Strikers. That was my moment last year where I just I just like lost it. I had um had the house to myself, so I was able to show my true emotions as far as finally getting a Mario Strikers game. Um, but this year, this this is the one. I, I want that Kid Icarus Uprising remake for Nintendo Switch. That is the game where I'll be like, oh my god, we've already got Smash Brothers. We've already had multiple Pokemon games. We've got a new Zelda game coming. Hey, I guess there's a Mario game, but in some ways that's, you know, I'll, I'll be very happy, very excited for a Mario game, but that's not like, oh my God, they did it type of thing. Of course, we're getting a Mario game eventually. I think it'll be smart not to do it this year. We've already got Zelda this year. I know in 2017, they had both, but I think uh, Mario would be a great game to sort of like hold for the next system. I would love to see a brand new Mario game at launch, brand new hardware to play, brand new toy all the excitement and a big launch um, of a Mario game or Mario Kart or something like that, I reckon would be awesome. Similar to what we had with Switch with Breath of the Wild. Wasn't it great to have like an awesome game to go along with a system that felt different? Like with Wii U, it's like, oh, this, it actually, you know, the first few weeks of the Wii U was actually kind of cool. You got a very different sort of, you know, you got the gamepad, got the Miiverse and all this different stuff that you could do that, you know, your PlayStation and Xbox didn't do necessarily. 
But I'll start I'll start playing New Super Mario Bros. So what does all that what does all that mean? So I'd rather just they they hold a couple of things from Switch, make sure the next system's good. So personally, I, I don't really want to see Mario at this direct. I know that's weird to say, and I don't know. We 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 must have something with the Mario movie coming out. I would assume we'll have something, and I'd love to see a 2D game to sort of capture the more casual market as far as families and new people coming to the Mario franchise through that movie. And I'd love to see something different. I don't want to see the new Super Mario Bros. again in my whole life. I don't want to see that that name ever again. Um, they were great games. I loved the DS version. That was really cool and revolutionary at the time, having like triple jump and the wall jump in a 2D game. Oh, my God, it was crazy, crazy concept. But now I just, I would like to, I'd like to move on. And some of my favorite platformers of all time are the Rayman games, Rayman Origins and Rayman Legends. Um, and a lot of that comes from just how beautiful the game looks. And it's got great mechanics and all that as well, different characters to play as. But just the hand-drawn art style is beautiful. So I would love to see a Mario game really play with maybe some different mechanics in the 2D space that none of the other games have really touched before. And also, yeah, have like a really nice, vibrant art style, which isn't just the 3 d fired look, which uh, turned out to be quite generic after five games, which is a little bit unfortunate. So, Kid Icarus Uprising Remake, a 2D Mario. Love to see more Pikmin 4. Obviously, a big breakdown of Tears of the Kingdom would be great. Um, what else would I like to see? I'm getting a little bit greedy at this point. <laughs> so, the thing is like... Would they do Star Fox? Would they do F-Zero? Would they do like these franchises that are, you know, lesser known or, you know, they're not the big money-making franchises for Nintendo? Would we start to see some of them? Or would it be the point now that like Animal Crossing's had its big success in 2020, would we say, would we see you know, another game, a spin-off game come out, you know, three years later? Some things to think about anyway, but... Personally, for me, really excited about it. Can't wait for it. Um, I assume that it's going to happen, and hopefully, we uh, we hear about it soon. But let's just shift the conversation a little bit because this is something that's been going around the last week as well. Um, IGN has said that Nintendo has no heavy hitters after Tears of the Kingdom releases on Switch this year, and this this kind of sparked because of the whole um, PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo not attending. E3 this year, as in they won't have presence on the show floor. And it's a very different sort of expo E3 this year. Um, Penny Arcade is um, basically taking over and doing the expo. You know, the same company that does PAX and um, a few other sort of big um, conventions throughout the U- United States and the world, including here in Australia. I really enjoy PAX Australia, obviously. So it's going to be a very different um, sort of presence. So there's, there's lots of things going into this why the big three wouldn't attend. And I would assume like, you know, PlayStation, they pulled out in 20, well, 2020 before the pandemic happened. So none of that was to do with um, the pandemic. And there's lots of reasons Nintendo might not be there, but, um, you know, sources have claimed that um, they're going to have a light release year. And that can mean a lot of different things. I think... Um, you know, Kit from the Kit and Krista uh, YouTube channel, ex-Nintendo employees, uh, 
uh, Kit basically put out a YouTube short saying that, you know, Nintendo are one of the most secretive companies in the world. Why on earth would the ESA know that they have a, you know, a lighter release cadence after Tears of the Kingdom? Like, yeah, exactly. Why would they know? Why would they be like, oh, look, they've only got two, two games coming out afterwards, so they might, might may as well not show it. Um, but I think there is some, some credence to this. I think at us as fans, there's no reason to get worried if you're just a casual gamer and you're not interested in pikmin 4 or even advanced wars or you know just like titles like that you know you might not be that excited after the major release of the legend of zelda but typically with nintendo at e3 they do the most extravagant awesome booths you know in the past we've seen it for mario kart we've seen it for legend of zelda breath of the wild super smash brothers where they just go all out and they just make this big themed room all about that particular game and they deep dive showing press and everything um but with tears of the kingdom coming out before june there really isn't necessarily the big reason to do that like have that big expensive i guess floor space to be like all right um just assuming Pikmin 4 comes out after June, for example. You know, we've got Pikmin 4. we got Kid Icarus Uprising remake. <laughs> like, you know, just titles like that. There isn't that reason to sort of really showcase the games in that way, especially when it is a very different experience with Penny Arcade and, um, you know, just E3 sort of unfortunately falling by the wayside. And I say that as somebody who's never been... I've never been to America. <laughs> so uh, I've never been to the LA Convention Center at all. But even for me, it just sort of cemented all these game companies to be like, all right, we're doing our presentations around the same time. And you got Jeff Keighley with Summer's Game Fest and, you know, just... Which is which is almost the same thing. They do their, their, their um, showcase, all that. Last year at the very end, they showed off uh, The Last of Us Part 1 Remake which was, oh, my, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's a big thing from first-party Sony. But it's all spread out a little bit too much now. Whereas, like, you know, before we knew that Xbox was going to go first, then PlayStation, then Nintendo would follow up the following morning with their Nintendo Direct. And it was exciting. As somebody who really loves PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo, you know, they're probably my three favorite publishers. Well, well, PlayStation, Nintendo, anyway, at least. Um, maybe, maybe not Xbox so much. I love Ford's Horizon. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, when I said that out loud, I'm like, oh, they're not all my favorite publishers. Anyway, not to get uh, stuck on that tangent so much, but just like having it all at the same time and you can digest it and you can like go through a list, pick out the games you're really anticipating throughout the year and for the first half of next year. It's just a little bit more convoluted now and I feel like I still tune in for SATA plays and Nintendo Directs, but other stuff that I probably would have tuned in for, like the Square Enix stuff and other, like even like Ubisoft and EA, I would sit down and watch all of that. But now I'm not going to go and watch an EA play when it's out by itself. I'm not going to, certainly not going to watch a Ubisoft, whatever they call it, um, <laughs> when it's by itself. So I don't know, it's a little bit of a shame. But I don't think we have anything to fear as far as Nintendo releases this year. Um, and I did say on Twitter, like, seriously, if if nothing comes out after Tears of the Kingdom, personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. Honestly, that's going to be a massive game that we're going to sit down and digest. It's going to be, like, fingers crossed, like, if all things go as according to plan, you know, this this is 
the, the Legend of Zelda game that's been in development the longest out of the whole series. And I got no idea as far as Nintendo as a developer themselves, but this is one of the longest development times for a Nintendo game full stop. And I, I don't know if you want to include Metroid Prime in that, uh, Prime 4, when that eventually comes out. But this is going to be an incredible game. And um, who knows, maybe COVID affected it really negatively and it's just in development hell. And uh, that's why we haven't heard anything. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's going to be an awesome game and we're all going to be very impressed when it comes out. And I'm certainly going to have my hands full sort of covering the game as uh, as the time leads on to, uh, to release. So nothing to fear. Give us some time to catch up on some games before the next system comes out, hopefully. That's, uh, that's my goal anyway. But Nintendo, they usually surprise us with, um, with something, <laughs> whether it's good or bad or indifferent. So we'll see. We can never predict what Nintendo is going to do with their hardware. So we'll see. Even though, I feel like they're a little bit more predictable now. They've fallen on something which is just such a slam dunk. And people are like, yeah, we want this. It's just like, well, they don't have to, they don't have to try it, do they, at the moment. With like uh, the GameCube to the Wii, they're like, oh, look, we've been really uh, innovative. We've got this new controller. And even moving to the Wii U, like, oh, look, we've got this, uh, look, we've got this. <laughs> you love your tablets, don't you? Well, we've got a bloody controller on steroids. It does everything except for play um, play, <laughs> play the games you want <laughs> in some ways. But with the Switch, they found exactly what you want, exactly what I want. It's just, uh, we're just like, yeah, we want a newer one. We want a newer one. We want one that looks a little bit better. Please. Goodness gracious, Nintendo. Give us a give us a bloody beefed up Switch. Mm. So, yeah. That's enough on that. Hopefully, we'll see some more, um, more positive things come out of E3 this year. Since it is happening, but it kind of isn't. Last story I just wanted to touch on because I found it a little bit strange being an Australian. But... Uh, Nintendo Switch game vouchers are available again on the eShop within the US. And for those of you that don't know what these are, you can buy, if you're a Nintendo online subscriber, you can purchase a, a couple of vouchers. So here in Australia, it was $135. You can purchase two tickets at the same time. You can't purchase one by one. Uh, and that basically gives you a little bit of money off by the time you buy two full-priced Nintendo first-party games. You can only buy from a certain section of games, so the first-party Nintendo games and some other second-party published Nintendo titles as well, which included um, stuff like Astral Chain and stuff like that, um, and Octopath Traveler, et cetera, et cetera. But apparently in the US, these disappeared for a couple of years. And I really was confused when I saw this thing. I'm like, did they disappear? And I asked a couple of guys in the Discord and they said that they did not disappear here in Australia. And for me, this was something I always utilized because I'm a digital gamer when it comes to Switch. I buy my games on the eShop. Um, but honestly, I hadn't used it over the last year because typically, you know, Nintendo Australia looked after us quite well last year and we actually got a few of our games directly from them. Um, so over the last year, I haven't really been paying attention to it. But it was interesting that it was not available in the US so you can get it again and I just want to ask them be like why did this appear and why has it come back it's a little bit random a little bit strange because it was actually a great incentive or a great bonus for you if you were a Nintendo Switch online subscriber like it really was um great value 
Um, it's just a little bit annoying if you only want to buy one game and you've got to fork out the bigger amount of money to start off, but it is what it is. So in the US, go and pick it up for 100 bucks. Get your games for 50 bucks each. That's pretty nice. Oh, I actually have a little uh, little tidbit here. This isn't very interesting, but if you do play Mario Kart Tour, there's a brand new course available. It's called uh, Piranha uh, Plant Cove. And uh, you'll be able to... Oh, it's not available yet. It's on the 7th of February. You'll be able to download it. And I just want to bring this up because we may see this game in Mario Kart 8 with all the DLC coming out with all the packs. Um, so yeah, just keep your eye out on that because we know that um, in the course before, which is escaping my name, basically released Mario Kart 8 a little bit before it came out to Mario Kart Tour. So it's kind of, um, it's interesting because I gave Mario Kart Tour a second go a couple of months ago and honestly, I'm like, okay, this is a lot more fun than I remember, that's for sure. I enjoyed it and um, I honestly wouldn't be mad to go back to it. I, I would like to go and play some play some more Mario Kart Tour, especially when I'm out and about and I don't have my Switch with me or whatever. Um but it didn't keep my attention all that much. But for you guys playing it, definitely go and check it out. All right, let's move on to the Red Coin releases this week. Just got a couple. It's been a pretty light week as far as what's been coming out. So let's jump into it. Oh, so we talked about it last week, but Life is Strange 2 is now available on the Nintendo Switch. You can get it for $47.95 on the Australian eShop. And the description says, A traumatic incident. Uh, unleash your younger brother Daniel's uh, t- uh, telekinesis power, forcing you to run from home. Uh, the police run from home. The police hot in your trail. Okay, so this is um, well, how do I describe it? It's a narrative game. You're making choices throughout the game. This is a Life of Strange game. I haven't played, so I can't really say to its narrative quality or anything like that. Some people say it's their favorite. Some people say it's their least favorite. I guess it comes down to just how you inherit the small... What do you think of the story? (laughs) I was about to say how you inherit the story. How you interpret the story. Um, So yeah, I'm keen to play it. Not on Switch though. Because I don't know, some of the other versions didn't work all that well at launch. I checked out a couple of uh, reviews just before um, jumping into the show. Nintendo Life said that there's been like a fair few long load times on the game but apart from that not too bad apart from just like low level textures and stuff like that but as far as actual performance goes it went well and next up is uh, another port to nintendo switch the pathless which is um coming from apple arcade and playstation 5 actually and i actually got a physical copy around christmas time so Keen to play it on there, but if you want to play it on Switch, the game is from the creators of Abzu, The Pathless, is a mythic adventure of an archer and an eagle in a vast forest. Um, Archery and Falconry um, become the hunter, a master of archery uh, who travels to a mystical land to dispel the curse of darkness that grips the world. Forge a connection with your eagle companion and soar through the air. Perform fluid acrobatics and execute uh, awesome trick shots with a unique archery system that allows you to effortlessly shoot while moving at high speeds. Yeah. So it's pretty fun. I played it. It's it's interesting because it's $45.95 on a 20% off sale at the moment. Um, so like for me, it's just a lot cheaper to play on Apple Arcade through that subscription. But 
It's definitely a game that looked great on the OLED, awesome art style. And as it mentioned, you're basically running around this semi-open world and as you're going through the world, you can see like these basically diamonds in the air. You press one of the buttons, you shoot it, and it gives you a bit of a boost and that just allows you to traverse the world um, a lot more fluidly. But if you're not doing that, you're just sort of like running like normal. So it's an interesting concept um, just with the puzzles and everything as well. So it might be interesting... Oh, you might be interested to pick it up. But um, yeah, it probably probably be cheaper on other platforms. It just came on Xbox as well. Um, so it won't be very cheap there, but I'm sure you'll be able to get a cheap copy elsewhere. All right, let's get into Reggie's Rec Room. This is, uh, this is Reggie's Rec Room. I haven't been there for a long time, to be honest. I'm sure he's upset, but I haven't been there in a while. But it is what it is, mate. Sorry, Reggie. It is what it is. Hi, Nintendo fans. Reggie here. Thank you for your never-ending support, for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. So this is something I want to do at the start of each month as we do the show. I just want to go through the releases coming out and um, go through some of the games that I'm excited for and I'd like to play. Um, you know... There's a lot of games coming out this this month that I'm excited for that actually aren't on Switch, but um, you know, we'll get through them pretty fast. So the first game I really want to actually play comes out on the 14th, and it's a uh, blank. So yeah, it's called blank with a C. Yeah, almost said blank, but it's not blank. So this is the game that we've seen at Nintendo Directs before, where you're playing as a deer and a little fox, little co-op game when you're going through doing various puzzles together. Got a really nice hand-drawn art style, black and white, looks really cool. Um, the only issue I've got is like, it's just a game I've got to get Chantel in a headlock and say, look, you're playing this little deer fox game with me and you will enjoy it and we will have fun and uh, it will be fantastic. That's the only sort of um, thing I'm a little bit concerned about, but it does have online play. So, you know, maybe there's one of you guys out there who's also a loner. You can play with me. I'll play the deer, you play the fox. Then the next level... Yeah, I played the fox, you played the deer. Sounds like a deal. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a Nintendo Switch and PC. So, that's right at home. We can play it on our beautiful Nintendo Switch. Next up is a game that's not on Switch. It's on everything else from... Uh, it's, well, it's from Koei Tecmo, um, made by um, Omega Force, who do the, the Warriors games. Um, and, but it's actually published by EA, which is really strange. I just want to know why... A Koei studio is working with EA. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really strange. But um, they're making a game called Wild Hearts, which is basically a Monster Hunter, I guess, I'm not going to say clone because it's not a clone, but heavily inspired by Monster Hunter. You're going out taking down different monsters. But I guess a little bit of a spin on it is that you're an inventor. So you have certain, uh, I guess, mechanisms and things that you can use. Um, you can put down kind of like you might expect in Fortnite. You're not really building up structures and stuff like that, but you are like putting down different inventions and things to help take down different monsters. So I don't know. I, it looks cool. I got, I've got this in my fantasy critic actually in our Nintendovania and the House of Mario fantasy critic. So and this is a game I really don't know how it's going to go. It looks awesome, and but I will be checking out reviews just to see if it's worth my money <laughs> to, to jump into. But it could be cool if you like have to make certain things to like take down certain certain beasts and all that. It could have some pretty cool gameplay. 
And I think the biggest draw about it is just that, you know, Monster Hunter, it's quite complicated to get into the actual experience. So with Wild Hearts, I hope that it's a little bit more simplified to, um, you know, just get you playing and getting down and taking, taking down big beasts. So that'd be pretty cool. Next up is a game also not on Switch, Atomic Heart. And just by looking at the the box art, I, it whenever I saw it, it just went through my ears, out my eyes. I just didn't even see it, to be honest. Um, it's just your typical box art, man with gun looking angrily towards you. You're like, oh, yeah. But um, actually looking at gameplay, it looks really cool. You're basically in a Soviet Union situation. I think it's... Uh, it's got a different spin on history, how, um, I guess if, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I haven't looked into it that much, but it's on um, on Game Pass. So really keen to jump into it there, you know, for the price of my subscription, which I'll be signed up to play some other games anyway. Why not? Give it a go. And it's also, you know, typically I've been wanting to play a lot more first-person shooters lately. And typically I'll jump into Call of Duty just to get that, that itch, that itch scratch. But nowadays, I you know try to stay away from um, Call of Duty. So I'd like to play this. Hopefully, just from looking at it, it looks like it's got a, a great sort of atmosphere. So even if the gameplay and the story fall flat, it might be just a cool world to explore, just to see the enemies and all that. How you're using different abilities with your left hand and shooting with your right hand. And it kind of uh, reminds me a little bit of Bioshock, which I also want to... Um, scratch off my backlog this year. Next up is a PlayStation VR 2 game, which I'm keen for. There's a couple of games I'm really looking forward to on you know that uh, peripheral on the PlayStation 5. And that's Firewall Ultra. And it's a, a first-person shooter game, um, competitive, online. Heard great things on the original PlayStation VR. And now the game's got a sequel on PlayStation VR 2. And it just looks like a lot of fun, you know, basically doing death matches in VR, which is pretty cool. You know, reloading your gun like you, well, not like you would in real life, but you're sort of, you know, smacking some controls together to do it instead of just pressing the button. Seems interesting. Um, like I said, out of my wheelhouse, which is which is cool because I've only played, like I had, I have PlayStation VR 1, which I'm actually looking to sell to uh, put towards VR 2. Um, but... I, I enjoyed Beat Saber so much on PlayStation VR that I actually didn't play too much else. I played Moss. I played... What else did I play? I don't know if I played much else. But I, I loved um, Beat Saber so much. So I didn't look into Firewall or a, or a lot of these other titles. So I'm keen to just like dive into them here, especially when there is no Beat Saber at launch. And um, also really excited for Gran Turismo 7 in VR. I think that's going to be wicked. Uh when I was looking at what VR headset I want to get, I was looking at the Oculus Quest and I had a chance to play it at a local library and I fell in love with it. I'm like, this is so cool. But I really I really could not come to terms with buying a product from Facebook. I just could not do it. And then they put up the price and that made it pretty easy for me to uh, ignore that. Um, but I was really looking forward to getting something that works for the PC mainly because of you know, all the VR sort of racing games on that platform. So I'm glad that at least there's a um, VR racing game on um, what's it? Uh, PS VR 2 at launch. And the last VR game I'm really keen for is uh, What the Bat, which is from the developers that uh, 
oh, what was it? Uh, what the Golf that made What the Golf. And What the Golf, you know, if you don't remember, it's on Switch and Apple Arcade and multiple other platforms where it's a golf game for people that hate golf. So you're basically hitting all these random objects into holes, <laughs> anything but a golf ball. And it's really creative the how they use that wacky mechanic for all the puzzles they do. And this is, I guess, a follow-up to that. That's exclusive to um, the VR platform where you're basically got, you've got bats for hands. And I guess you're just doing multiple scenarios and puzzles with bats for hands. I, I haven't looked into it too much, but just looking at the gameplay, I'm like, it looks like a lot of fun just to muck around because that's that's what I discovered with like Job Simulator and, you know, these simulation games where like, you know, you're a cashier. And it's just so fun just to look around and like fiddle with your cash register and you turn around and you pick out a hot dog from your dispenser and you throw it somewhere and you're just fiddling around the things. And if you're doing that just like with a controller or whatever or in real life, it's like, you know, it's not that interesting. But in VR, it's just every little thing you can fiddle, fiddle with becomes so interesting. So... I think just the idea of having these bats and just like smashing <laughs> smashing things and throwing things and having a look around, it seems like a lot of fun. So that I think that's where I'm going to spend my time with VR uh, when it comes out later this month. Um, going to get like Moss 1 and 2 again. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. Like I, I think uh, the biggest game for PlayStation VR 2 is going to be Horizon Call of the Mountain, which is, you know, from first-party Sony. Uh, but... I just want to play these little experiences before I have to play something that's a little bit longer. I don't want to have a VR headset on that long. I just want these like fun experiences. I want to drive a car. I want to smash stuff up with a bat. I want to shoot things. You know, I, I want like a, a like a nice hodgepodge of things to jump into. So really looking forward to that. And uh, next up, we've got the biggest Nintendo game of the month, which I am also really looking forward to as well, which is a little bit surprising in some ways. But I think Kirby last year really sort of revved me up for... Um, more Kirby games was uh, Kirby's uh, Return to Dreamland Deluxe, and uh, I guess the Nintendo marketing machines um, going pretty well on this game. We're getting some more information as time goes on, a lot more of like the mini games and the things you can play. And there was a trailer of a drop drop today where you're going around the carnival, you're getting stamps for going to all the attractions, earning them in the mini games, all of that. It seems to be a lot to it. It's not just like a, I guess a co-op platformer, which it is, but there's all, all these other things you can do in it as well, which I didn't originally play the game on Wii, so this is going to be a brand new experience for me, so that's pretty cool. So this game, when does it come out? The 24th, which is, uh, well, it's not just around the corner, but I tell you what, it will come up pretty bloody quick if you're anything like me where time seems to be slipping through your fingers. So yeah, I'm going to be keen to um, get this one because I think by the time that comes out, you know, hopefully I would have finished Dead Space had these VR titles, Atomic Heart looks a little bit more serious. I'll be very keen just to jump in the Kirby and hopefully have that as like a nice meaty sort of platforming experience. Nothing that really taxes my ability as a gamer necessarily. Although the last one did, like the final boss, it wasn't that easy for me. But hopefully this one's a little bit, just nice and simple. Nice little simple Kirby game and uh, give us some reason to, you know, get the Switch out when family and friends are out and we can play some some of those games together, all those, yeah, just, it looks really interesting, just all the, all the mini games and that, looks pretty good, looks pretty good, so we can for that, and uh, last is Octopath Traveler 2, which also comes out on the exact same day, February 24th, which I'm keen for as well, um, 
this this is how I'm lining up. I've because originally the 24th was going to be Kirby, Octopath Traveler two, and Atelier Riser three all on the same day, but Atelier Riser three got delayed, and I'm very thankful for that. So. This month, I'm going to be spending in Atelier Riser 2. I'm going to make sure that's finished before Octopath Traveler. And whether I got, get Octopath Traveler finished before Atelier Riser 3 at the end of March, I'm not sure. But I've got to make sure these JRPGs are basically finished before uh, each one comes out. But I'm not too worried if I finish, finish Octopath Traveler or not. If I get a good amount of time into it and I get through like a decent amount of um, the stories throughout all the characters, I'll be happy enough with that, I think. But obviously, if it really, um, if I really enjoy it, I'll, pro- I'll probably will finish it because I won't be able to stop. But if I can stop, that's the game's fault, not mine. That's not true at all. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they're basically the wait, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight games I'm looking forward to this month. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus Christ, Drew, calm down. You're gonna play all them? You really gonna play all them, Drew? Well, I guess oh, we've got Gran Turismo Seven. That'll be like a sit down and haha, it's fun. What the bat won't be that long. Kirby, Atomic Heart. I got no idea. Wild Hearts. That's like a forever game. <laughs> Not a forever game, but you know, online co-op type of thing. Yeah, so yeah, you'll be able to do that. That's doable. It's very doable. All right, cool. That makes me happy. So, guys, let me know what you guys um, are looking forward to in February 2023. Personally, for me, I think my most anticipated game out of all of them. Oh, that's a good question. I don't really have like a big standout, I don't think. I think I'm just really excited for all of them. It would have been Atelier Riser. I was really looking forward to that one. But if if I had to pick, I think I'm really keen just for VR, honestly. Just... um, really diving into those three games that I mentioned, just like having a more up-to-date VR experience because when I was playing the Quest with controllers that weren't PlayStation Move controllers, my God, they weren't they weren't very immersive <laughs> as far as uh, using them. But having like a proper VR experience where the screen looks beautiful, proper controls that like sense your fingers and all of that, can't wait for it, man. Really can't wait for it. I know it's, this is a Nintendo podcast, but... Uh, I cannot wait for PlayStation VR 2 and it's a little bit frustrating because Sony doesn't seem to give a shit about it and after launch, I don't know how many games are going to come to it in all honesty, but what's there seems fun enough and uh, I guess we'll think about what's after when that comes. But anyway, guys, that brings us to the end of the House of Mario. Thank you very much for listening to episode 242 of the show. I very much appreciate your time, your dedication and uh, your friendship for coming over to the house. Give me a visit. You know, you got to visit Uncle Drew a couple more times. You know, visit your grandma too. She's on the house uh, just over. Visit your mum for me. Let her know that, you know, we're doing well. We're doing well. So like I said, I really appreciate it. But we've got a little bit of trivia for you. So we're going to leave you with some sounds. And in the YouTube comments on episode 242 or at me on Twitter at iDruby, let me know what game these sounds are from. I think it might be obvious to some, but to others, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) So let me know what game those sounds are from, or at least what series. I think what series, but what game 
specifically. And would I be able to get it? I'm not quite sure. Not quite sure. But let me know. And also there is an invite to the Discord community within the show notes. But until next time, guys, my hospitality has ran out. It's time to get on out of here. So the doors to the house of Mario, they're closed. I'll catch you later.